um, your life's a little bit of a mess, and, uh, and so's mine. And this video that we just kind of glanced at asks a whole lot of questions that, that some of us have, which is really about this God, can he meet me in the middle of all my mess? I don't have it all together. Sometimes on the outside I, I look like I do, but the truth is I don't. Over the next few weeks, eight weeks, we're going to be really looking closely at the idea of, can a God really meet me in the middle of all of my stuff? Because we all have issues, we all have hurt, we all have pain, we all have loss. And we're going to be exploring a God that I believe through Scripture meets us right where we are. Doesn't require us to fix our life, to come up before Him and say, hey, I've got it all together, but a God that steps into our pain, our struggle, our hurt, our questions, our uncertainty, our doubt, our secrets, our fears, and says, I'm God. We're going to be looking at a series that we're titling Life on the Road, which is really an idea behind the fact that Jesus spent three years of His earthly ministry walking. All over the Judean countryside, He would walk with a bunch of disciples. And the incredible moments in Scripture happen when Jesus is traveling and he encounters somebody on the road. And usually that person is a mess. They're, they've got some kind of issue or some kind of hurt or some kind of pain or some kind of disease. And Jesus steps into the middle of it and meets them right there. The truth is, you and I are all going somewhere. We've got all kinds of stuff going on. And we have a God that will step into the middle of that. And so in the next eight weeks, we invite you to come on that journey. And look at a a God that will meet us right in the middle of all that. The middle of our fears, our hurts, our pains, our sorrows. But I thought we'd do a little something different today um, before we kind of dive into that. I thought it would be worthwhile to explore not only how we came to be, but really what the idea of the vine is. Scripturally, biblically, how we unpack that and how that affects my life. We have a couple of tables in the back that have Bibles on them. Let me tell you, one thing you can expect if you show up here on Sunday morning is that we're going to teach and preach from the Word every week. We're going to open this thing up and say, God, what do you have to say to me? We've got Bibles in the back. They are yours to use. If you, if you didn't bring one with you, you just grab one of those. If you don't have a Bible, keep it. Keep it. If you need one or want to give it to somebody, we invite you to keep it as well. But if not, return it back to that table and, and we'll use them each, each week. Now, there's an interesting kind of idea about this community. This is actually, what we're doing here is actually an intentional community plant of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Two blocks right up there to the, uh, never eat soggy waffles, east, right? Shredded wheat, whatever your little system is. Right there to the east. Now what a community plan is, is it's really that the, the church said this, what does it take for us to live outside the walls? I mean, the church is not a building, it's not a place, we can't be contained by that. So what does it mean for us to live outside the walls, take the gospel into the world? Because we know that all kinds of people have issues with church and with institutionalized religion and stuff. So what does it take for us to live outside that way and just say, we want people to know Jesus and we want to live in an authentic way and we want to impact the world around us? So as a a group, we just said, God, what would this look like? And so we decided that what we would do and felt like God was calling us to do is plan a community, a group of people that just said, we want to live kind of different. We want to step outside what we would normally classify as church and live in an authentic way as a community. So essentially, this is what we're doing. We're doing worship here, but this isn't who we are. This is a part of who we are. Who we are is is a group of people that serves dinner at City Rescue Mission and and meets and learns a story of homeless men and women that travels to Africa, that does community dinners in people's homes and meets together and says, man, what's going on in your life? This community 
is a vision of that community. Very different, very similar. I'll explain some of the connections that we have, not only to Westminster, but to the entire body in a moment. We're born out of the heartbeat of people that wanted to see the world know Jesus. And this is what that is. It's the fruit of us getting together saying, let's invite people into what God's doing. Now the vine, the name of our community, actually has some biblical connotations. As you can imagine, you you heard Don kind of mention it. There's a lot of biblical imagery in the Bible about the vine. And we chose this name for a lot of very intentional reasons. And we're going to kind of explore some of those today. So we're going to be looking at the book of John chapter 15. If you've got a little worship folder or a little pamphlet there, it's on the back. Okay, so if you've got that, it's on the back. If you have a Bible, you can do it. If not, you can just follow along with me. But we want you to have it in front of you. Also, those little worship bulletins have a, have a place that you can, can take notes as well. Um, I'm going to read it for us a little bit, and then we're, we're going to unpack it. Okay, so let's, before we open God's Word together, let's just, let's just pray. Father God, we are grateful for, your, for who you are. We're grateful that you love us and care for us, God, and that you desire a relationship with us. God, we pray this morning that you would open our hearts to who you are and that you would make your word come alive. Take just a moment wherever you're sitting and just say, just whisper this to God in your heart. God, teach me through your word this morning. Just whisper that. God, teach me through your word this morning. Take just a moment, and I just want you to just a little prayer for somebody next to you. Even if you don't know their name, even if you're not a prayer, just kind of say, God, do something in this person's life. Move in, in there. Just whisper that in your heart. Even if you don't know their name, maybe you know their name. Just pray for them. Just say, God, do something in this person's life. And pray for me. Pray that I don't care to know selfishness or self-righteousness. Just an empty and open vessel that God can use. And God, you are so good, and we thank you so much for your son Jesus. Amen. We're in the book of John, chapter 15, verse... Really, we could go one through whatever, 5, 10, but we're actually going to go start in verse 5. And uh, we'll read it together, and then I'll just kind of work through it a little bit. Jesus is saying this, John 15, 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." Now, these are the words of Jesus, and they're actually coming at a really interesting time in the life of Christ's ministry. John places this word, this dialogue, right in the middle of the time in the upper room. And the upper room is that, that night that Jesus is going to be betrayed, the day before that he's crucified, where he's spending this intimate time with the disciples. The upper room is also the place where uh, the Lord's Supper happened for the first time, communion, and also the place where Jesus removes his outer garment and he washes the disciples' feet. And those moments... This is where this kind of exchange happens, where Jesus shares these words. And it's really interesting because he has just told the disciples that he's getting ready to leave them, that he's getting ready to essentially be betrayed and killed. Now, this is a huge shock for the disciples. These 12 guys have been following Jesus around with their life. This is a shock for them because 
they all thought that Jesus was going to restore Israel into kind of this political kingdom. He was going to, going to free them. And they've been spending three years of their life hanging on every word, every action, every deed of this Jesus, listening to him over and over, seeing him do incredible things. In fact, they were a part of incredible things. And Jesus then just says to them, I'm getting ready to be betrayed. In fact, one of you in this room is going to betray me, and I'm going to be killed. And these guys are filled with all kinds of uncertainty, as you can imagine. They're filled with all kinds of issues and struggles and going, what does that mean for me? I mean, I gave three years of my life to follow you around, and, and now you're gone? Well, in this, in this portion of text, John 15 and John 14, Jesus is really sharing comforting words with the disciples. He's really comforting them. And in this moment of comfort, Jesus says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, really they're words of comfort. They're words saying, listen, I'm going to depart from here. But you can still remain in me. Because God was going to send the Holy Spirit and fill the lives of the disciples and change the world. And he's saying, you can still remain in me. And they're, and they're words of comfort. Also, the idea of the vine has some Old Testament connotations, too, that's real powerful. All throughout the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was referred to a lot of times as a vine. But oftentimes, when they're referred to as a vine, they're referred to as a lot of imperfection. In fact, Jeremiah 2, 21 says, God's saying to, to Israel, he says, Did I not take you out of perfect stock and plant you? How did you become such a vile and corrupt vine? The connotation of the vine of Israel is that they were a mess. And so when Jesus says in John 15, 1, he says, I am the true vine. And in John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine. As Western kind of 21st century Christians, this makes no sense to us. But as a Jewish hearer, back in those days, 2,000 years ago, this was an incredibly, incredibly powerful statement. Because essentially Jesus is saying, I am the truth. I am the perfect vine. Israel and the nation was a mess. But you want to remain in me. See, the words of, of promise and power. The idea of the vine, Jesus as the vine, is really a, a word of comfort for our souls. It's saying even with this world is a mess. We have life. It's also a word of promise saying... You know what? There's something much bigger than what you can see and what you know. And there are also words of power. And so I thought what we do today is just kind of look briefly at, at some of these connotations of what it means to be the vine. What Jesus is saying when he says, I am the vine. Because I believe it impacts us and it, it will show you and hopefully elevates all of us what it really means to live this way. So there's some characteristic things that I see in the vine of Jesus, and we'll just substitute the word vine for Jesus, because Jesus says, I am the vine, that we see in Jesus that I think are really powerful. The first is this, that Jesus gives life. Now think about this, if you have a vine or a tree, and you take a branch and you cut it off, what happens? The branch dies. I mean, I don't need a big fancy illustration to show you that if we take a branch off a tree and I lay it on the ground, it's going to die. It has to be attached to the tree. The branch has to be attached to the vine in order to give life. That's because the root system goes into the ground. It's where it gets nutrients. It's where it gets water. The branch ceases to live if taken apart from the vine. And Jesus says, I am the vine. In other words, I am life. You remain in me, you'll bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And he goes on to say that a branch that's not attached to the vine is really useless. You just gather it up and you throw it in the fire. See, Jesus gives life. 
And I know that there are a lot of us in this room this morning that are pretending like we're doing well in life. But we know that we have these emptiness in our soul. We've got all kinds of struggles and hurts and things that we don't tell anybody about. And the last thing that we're doing right now is truly living. Jesus says in John chapter 10, he says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Jesus says, I am the life, and I want you to have abundant life here on earth and eternal life in heaven. The vine is about life. It's about truly living. It's about understanding all that God has for you and stepping into a life that is bigger and more abundant than anything else we could ever imagine. It's more than just about breathing. Because there's more to this life than you and I standing here and taking in breath. Because you know as well as I do that you can very much be taking in breaths and very well not be alive. Jesus is the life. Jesus also connects. The vine connects. If you think about it, a vine that runs however long has all kinds of branches. They look a little different. They feel a little different. They're all connected to this vine because the, the vine is what gives life. Jesus is what gives life to all the branches. You and I are branches. Different church communities are branches. We're all connected through Jesus Christ. In a day and age where we spend more time as a Christian subculture arguing about our differences, we forget that we're all connected to the same life-giving Jesus. I had a group of friends that I met with in, in college for six years. Uh, technically, I wasn't in college for six years, right? But I see how that could go. I was a pre-med major for like a week. Um, so if anybody goes down, I can probably help you out. Um, but I met with this group of guys, and we met every Monday night for like Bible study and accountability. And we would just spend time really just talking about what God's doing in our lives and praying over each other. And we went through some crazy stuff together. And we got married together at those times. We were best men in each other's weddings. We did all this stuff together. But this was the strangest group of guys you'd ever seen. I mean, there was the guy that had grown up in the band playing the tuba. There was the guy that was like super jock. There was the recovering drug addict. There was the guy in ministry. There was um, the guy that didn't want anything to do with people in ministry. I mean, it was a crazy group. And one day we sat around and we go, do you realize that not one of us would be friends without Jesus? Not even close. Like, we would not even hang out together because we have nothing in common except Jesus. That's it. We just love the Lord and want to follow him. Other than that, we don't even like doing the same things. I couldn't even turn a computer on at that time. Right? And this guy's programming them and punching up, you know, kinds of RAM modules, if that's even a computer term. Um, <laughs> Double-clicking the mouse real fast or whatever. So we were just so different. And, uh, and, I, and I thought, you know, how powerful Jesus is that connects us all. That we really are connected to this life-giving Christ. This, this God that says, this is what life looks like. That we're as much connected to Christian communities around the world as we are here together. That the vine is what connects us to, to Westminster. It's what connects us to Life Church. It's what connects us to Bridgeway. It's what connects us to United Methodist. It's what connects us to our missionary friends in Guatemala. It's what connects us to the church planners in Africa. It's what connects us to that young mother in Peru that just met Jesus and has no idea how to live her life. Jesus connects. We're so concerned in our culture about who's got it right that we forget the fact that Jesus calls us just to love people. See, the vine, Jesus gives life and Jesus connects, but also the vine allows us to bear fruit. Now think about this. A healthy branch bears fruit. A healthy branch impacts the world. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. 
Your purpose in life is to bear fruit, is to impact the world around you. Now, this is about as countercultural as it gets, because we really don't live this way. We're actually raised to think just the opposite, that this world revolves around me and my happiness. And if I'm not happy in this, I just get out, or I seek something else, or I step on who I have to to get to the top, to make more, to do more, to be more. This world is about me. And we all have these selfish kind of tendencies. In fact, we all have those moments. I remember when I was like eight or nine, we were living in Austin, and one of our favorite things to do was we'd go to the hike and bike trail down around Town Lake. If you've ever been to Austin, there's a big hike and bike trail that goes around there. My parents would take us, and my brother and I would ride our bikes around there. And, and one of the things we love to do is we love to feed the ducks. I don't, that never gets old, by the way. If you ever have fed ducks in a while, that's always really fun for some random reason. So we used to take a bag of crackers or bread, and we'd ride our bikes, and then we'd, we'd go down and we would feed the ducks. So my mom's going, she had a couple of our friends come, and she's loading our bikes up, and she's like, get, get your crackers so we can go feed the ducks. And so I reach into the, the, the box of crackers, and I grab a handful, I put them in my Ziploc bag, and I, I take off, and I, uh, I, I get crackers. And we're down there, and we're feeding the ducks, we're riding our bikes, and, and, and I go through all my crackers, because kids usually when they're feeding the ducks, they just dump it out. Right, they dump it all out. And that feeding the ducks lasts about 12 seconds. They come and eat it, and they're gone. You know, if you, if you do a lesson on feeding the ducks, break it up. Spread out the joy a little bit. Maybe a little over here, a little over there. Otherwise, you're going to burn through it in like 20 seconds. But I dumped mine out, and it was all gone. I still wanted to feed the ducks. And I said, Mom, I'm out of crackers. She's up ahead, and she's like, all right. Um, so she comes back, and she's like, I'm like, I'm out of crackers. I got my friends with me, like a couple of friends and my brother. We're out of crackers. How are we going to feed the ducks without any crackers? I mean, it's a you know, common problem for a, a nine-year-old. How am I going to feed the ducks without any crackers? My mom looks at me, and, you know, she's got no crackers. And she goes, well, you should have brought more crackers. And I looked at her with a straight face, and I said, that's not my job. Now, I don't know how you were raised. And your family, I thought my mom's head was going to spin around, man. I was thinking, that's it. This is how it's all going to end. This is how it's going to happen. I looked at her and I said, that's not my job. And for that split second, I thought, you know, you ever just wanted those words back where you're like, no. That's what I was trying to do. And my mom, whoo, she's probably going to listen to this. So she was very gentle and kind and put me in timeout for 30 seconds. Um, no, she, she's amazing. But she was about to just tear my head off. And uh, so needless to say, I got a lesson on what's my job and what's her job. But the idea is that we think the world revolves around us. You are here to serve me, and if you're not, I'm here to get my own. In other words, I'll do what I've got to do to promote myself. The problem is it's just totally contrary to all biblical reality. Jesus actually, who is a radical, actually teaches the opposite. He says it's not about you at all. It's actually about impacting the world around you. It's about losing your life so that you can gain it. Not gaining a life here so that you can forfeit the entire eternity. It's very contrary to everything that we've been raised in. We ought to bear fruit. And really, this is who we want to be as a community. As a community, as a people that gather here on Sunday morning and gather in the parks and do life groups together and travel all over the world telling people about Jesus. We want to be a community that says we are about Jesus Christ. Life-giving Jesus. We are a community that is about partnering with other like-minded people in communities saying, we want to support you, encourage you, and be a part of what God's doing. 
We want to find people that are doing God's work and be a part of the bigger kingdom picture. I don't care how you grew up or where you were raised or what you look like. I don't care what denomination you're in or how you spell your fancy church words. Do you love the Lord and want to see the world come to know him? We want to partner with you. And we want to be a community that's about bearing fruit. That says, we want to live so counterculturally that our worldview is totally different. So that when we see people, we're moved by them and by their story. That when I see a, a homeless man or woman standing on the side of the road, I don't avert my eyes and fake a cell phone call. I just simply say, I wonder what their story is and what I could do. I'm not going to fight circumstances or what they may, have, may or not have done to get themselves there. I just want to say, God loves you. See, we want to be about a different worldview. And I don't know what brought you here this morning. I really have no idea. I don't know if it was a neighbor or a friend that invited you and asked you to come. I don't know if you wandered off the street because you happened to get one of the box of flyers that we dropped and it blew past your door. I don't know. But we all come in here with all kinds of different issues and struggles. But I want you to hear this this morning. Jesus is life. Whatever your hurt, struggles, pain is, Jesus is the answer. He is life. He is all that you need. He is all that we need. And if you're coming in here this morning with pains and hurts that are very real, we want you to understand that Jesus is about redemption. He's about fresh starts and new life. He's about meeting you where you are. And we want you to understand that this is a place where you can belong. This is a place where you can plug your life into and say, you know what? Far from a perfect group of people, I don't have to play a part. I can just show up and be loved. Because the vine connects us. Jesus connects us. And we're going to challenge ourselves to live totally differently. We're not trying to be fancy or cool or anything we're not. We're just simply saying, God, we want to be real and be authentic. This morning, as we kind of close our time together, we're going to respond in worship. Don's going to come back up and he's going to lead us in worship this morning. One more time, as we just kind of cry out to God. And I invite you in those moments to do this. To just ask God, Lord, am I truly living? Or is there more to life than this? We're going to have men and women from our prayer teams that will be down here in these corners. And if you just want someone to come and you just want to pray with someone or tell them your heartbeat or your story, just come down here as we're, le- as we're doing worship and, and, uh, and pray with somebody. I'll be down here as well. You're welcome to come sit and, and talk with me. Um, and we're just going to close our time in worship. And if you feel led, stand. If you feel led, kneel. If you feel led, come down to the front. Use this space. But each week what we're going to do together is we're going to talk about what it means to live for Christ, follow Jesus, love people, and impact the world. And we're going to try and do it in a very authentic way. You can take that. I'm all done. As we worship, I invite you to come down if you want to get prayed for. We'll just have someone hear you. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful for the opportunity to gather in this place this morning. We're grateful that you love us desire a relationship with us. God, and I know that there are men and women that are in this place this morning that you are moving in their lives and in their hearts. God, I know that they are stirred by what you're doing, and I pray that you wouldn't let them leave this place until they get right with you. And God, give us freedom as we worship, and give us freedom to say, God, you are life. You are life. And you call us to live differently. God, we ask that you would hear our cry this morning, that you would hear our worship. We ask this in the name of Jesus. I invite you to stand with us as we worship.
and be free in the Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. Amen.